are back again. Yes, we are. In the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, we are here. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And we have a a really kind of um, a good topic tonight uh, that that kind of becomes the overarching theme. Um, But before we get there, let let me just, let me give a little caveat as we dive into this. Um, Ephesians can be a hotbed, and I believe unnecessarily so. Because something we talked about last time was pride. And when we get so worked up or prideful over a church father of the past, over the way their disciples have written what what they think that person was teaching, um, a lot of times we will crucify scripture on the cross of our chosen church father mm-hmm. and 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 his belief. So we don't want to do that. No. We also don't want to preach a sermon. That's right. Because that's not the what this format is. Um and so Jared will be on guard for me <laughs> about wanting to do that. And it's so funny because like when I was just kind of going through an outline and thinking through things I wanted to talk about, I was very sermon-esque you know yeah. so I will do my best to gloss over that and not make it but you know here's the thing we could we could get into this like whole big overarching thing but I don't want to do that I, I tell you where I, what I do want to say I want to say this as we start tonight so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a word and we're gonna say that this is gonna be our target so I'm gonna say chosen yeah that's a fair word don't you yes. think okay so with that in our mind G.R. Harding said this why did he love me I can never tell Why did he suffer to save me from hell? Nothing but infinite grace from above could have conceived such a story of love. And then, talking about church fathers, our good friend Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if God hadn't chose me before the foundation of the world, he wouldn't choose me now. And I think that both of those thoughts are nice. And more than just nice. I think it's a good starting place. Nothing but infinite grace from above could have conceived such a story of love. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's really what we want to talk about tonight. We want to talk about how this word chosen is a love story. Yes. A love story of a God that created free worshipers. A God that created for the purpose of enjoying his creation with a plan and a purpose in mind and even loving us enough that when we went off the reservation, <laughs> he was there for us. So I think that's a fair place to start, don't you? I do. I like it. We, 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 we serve and worship a God that is relentlessly coming after us. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's open in prayer. What do you think? Let's do it. Oh, Father, thank you that you chose me before the foundations of this world. Thank you that I am not good enough. I am incapable of overcoming this depravity, this sinful self, this line of Adam that I have been born into. Thank you that you sent your son to become 
the new Adam, the new line. And you took these rags and you cleaned them and you made them look better than they ever have before because you have awakened in us your purposes. You have brought to life in us your image. And we want to talk about that tonight. God, we want to talk about all that you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. You're going to use the Apostle Paul. You used him a long time ago, and you're still using him today. So, Lord, we just pray that you would take your word to us through Paul, to this beautiful church at Ephesus, and to the church today. Not just the big church, but to the Church of America and even to the, your local establishment where you are. So, God, we want to bring you honor and glory. We want to be a people who are found bringing honor and glory to you and enjoying you forever. So that's how we want to begin tonight, Lord. And all this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to, I want to change up our routine a little bit. Change it up. <laughs> Coming out of left field on me now. We we put out a challenge or a call to anybody that's listening yes. in our last episode to read this book. That's correct. With us. We're in chapter one today. Mm-hmm. That's all we're talking about. That's Let, it. I'm just going to read it. Let's do it. It's only 23 verses, I think. Yeah, yep. 23. You're right. Go for it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, Do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, 
so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Mm. Amen and amen. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so So. that has been our episode. We uh, appreciate the time together. (laughs) So why... Why read all that? Because we're about to just kind of really go through an outline. Yeah. All that Paul said there. And I mean, that's, I, you could probably, if I was a pastor. Be our next 15 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you could preach and preach mm-hmm. and preach. And a word of warning to young pastors out there. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, but you could. But you could. There, I mean, because the, there is so much to chew on. Mm. Yeah. So much to chew on. Yeah. We're not going to do that because it would just feel like droning, but... Well, we would get tired of it to <laughs> ourselves. So, this letter opens up with an introduction. Um, and a pretty, I, I guess, typical Pauline introduction. Yeah, yeah. And then he very, very quickly gets into who God is mm-hmm. and what he's what he's done. Yep. And you know, and I think we could, verses 1 and 2, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about Paul as the author. You know what? We really did that last time. We did. We really went to Acts and we looked at all those things. So you can figure out for yourself why he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? Go back and read Acts. There it is. Yeah. We're actually going to move on. We want to go ahead and dive in to the idea of being chosen in yeah. Christ. Where Now, where in the world do we get that idea of being chosen from? Why do we choose that? Well... Verses 3 and 4, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Now, I want to park there. So, Larry and Jared are not answers in Genesis. But if you listen to Larry and Jared long enough, you're going to find that we're going to take you back to two ideas predominantly as we go through Scripture. You're going to find us going back to creation, and you're going to find us talking about gardens. Yeah. Not because we're rednecks, <laughs> but that could be part of it, because yeah. we yeah. love creation. We love getting out in the garden, man. I'll tell you what. We ain't talking about cucumbers. No. But there's, there is more than imagery. That is where purpose began. That is where focus of life began that is where god put all of this in motion yeah and it's interesting to me that paul chooses these words obviously through the inspiration of the holy spirit and it seems to me that as he is after he does his normal paulinian greeting 
that he is whisking us to both of those ideas. Mm. Number one, to actually a time before creation. And not just that, but that moment in the garden when it was pre-snake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's that moment. Because what does he say? He chose us when? Before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we could chew on that one for a while. And we yeah. could chase a lot of rabbits. We're not going to. We're just going to talk about some good stuff. But then the second part of that is that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. When was the last time before Jesus Christ that we were holy and without blame before him in love? Only a couple chapters in this entire Series of books. That's right. You know, you have to, and that, I, lo- I love that you're bringing this out because I didn't, my brain wasn't going there. It just wasn't. I, I was, I was, distra- I will admit, I was distracted on some other points and we're going to get to them <laughs> because I, I got to get them off my chest. Sure. But that's what's awesome about reading the Bible in some form of community. Yeah. Because. I would have read this chapter in Ephesians a hundred times. And even though I tend to go back to the garden, I wouldn't have because I was distracted. And <laughs> well, I, so I appreciate you calling me out of it uh, because I wasn't there. And now I'm like, well, see, for me, what happens is it changes the way the rest of this wording is used. Yeah. And and it takes the sting of all the isms away, you know? And so we could get, and, you know, okay, let's just go ahead and, and say the bad words. We could bring up Arminianism. We could bring up Calvinism. We could bring up Molinism. We could bring up cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about all kinds of isms. Yes. But there's not an ism found here. No, there's not. And so I do want to get into some words real quick. And I want, do you have Lagos up? I will bring it up. So I want you to check me on this because I'm not the scholar that other people are. But my understanding of this letter is that basically every time you and I read the word you in here, and I understand in English, you can be singular and plural, Mm -hmm. but we are recording this from what would be considered the South. Yep. And this word you, Mm -hmm. every single time in this letter, we as Southerners should be reading y'all. Paul is talking to... So you're going third person plural. Y'all. You know, and that's a, that's a great thing for those of you that have never been to seminary and those of you that have never um, studied languages. And I promise you, you are not listening from someone who is very good at any <laughs> either of those. But when you have a student from the South being trained by a lover of Jesus Christ from the North who then tells you when you're studying Greek for the first time that the actual proper way to determine third person plural is y'all, then you kind of feel vindicated. (laughs) (laughs) So 
but I think it's helpful to have that context because Paul is not referring to a singular person. Right. Right. It is to the larger y'all. Mm-hmm. And that y'all is the believers. And when he talks about we in the, the beginning, he is talking about the Jewish folk. Hmm. Right, because he's gonna, and we're gonna get there when we get to chapter three. This whole thing he's revealing mm-hmm. is this schism between the Jews and the Gentiles that no longer exists. Right, and so it that as well takes on a little bit different. You, you know, when you read it in the, what you talked about, right, that we have been. Uh, we're being invited back to the garden. Yeah. And we are being invited into a repaired relationship. And in Paul's case, he's talking about, you know, Jews and Gentiles. Then these sometimes scary, hard to understand words are, are the, the edge of is taken off of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and man, let's not, let's not be a people who are more concerned about being divisive with secondary matters and are just concerned about the gospel. Yeah. Now I understand that these isms that we mentioned deal directly with how we understand salvation. But if we're honest, and I think if we're truly honest, we come to the point where we say man is wicked, is depraved, is lost, whatever adjective you want to use there. He can't do it on his own. Right. He needs a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He was gloriously resurrected the third day, as the scriptures told us. And if we believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth, then we'll be saved. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't find John Calvin in that statement. I don't find Martin Luther in that statement. I don't find Charles Haddon Spurgeon in that statement. I don't find Larry Kirby in that statement. That's right. You know? Right. I don't found I don't find insert anybody you want to there. What do I find? I find the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne high and lifted up. Yeah. So that's and we're gonna get back to it. And we're and you're gonna for so we're gonna we're planning on doing six episodes for one for each chapter. One for each chapter, right? right. Plus the uh the introduction that we did previously. So seven episodes. So for seven episodes Listener, you are going to hear me, Jared. I don't know about Larry, but I, you're going to hear me constantly reminding myself, put on your Jesus-tinted lenses. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe that's what the Holy Spirit, and you can't hear it right now, but there is a beautiful rain outside. It's, it's glorious. A cleansing rain. That's right. Yeah. You're going to, Paul, I think, the Holy Spirit is calling us to that reminder. Yeah. Over and over again. Put on your Jesus tinted lenses. 
Yeah. So even in this first chapter where what we talked about, where I told you I was in our last episode, I'm, I'm just kind of nestling into this tension, right? Cause it's, I think that's just where I'm being called to go. Yeah. Um, but the reminder in that is put on your Jesus tinted lenses. You know, maybe it's stuff that I'm going through in life right now, but I think I'm looking at tension in a different way than I've ever looked at tension before. Because Larry has lived in a world of tension that is felt in the shoulders, is felt in the stress of life, that then makes your chest compressed. Runs up your neck. Compressed. (laughs) Compressed. Runs up your neck. Yeah. Start to get the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you got physiological, you've got emotional, you have all kinds of things that tie up into that. And, And maybe it's because I'm parroting some some things that that have been spoken into my life, and you know what? If that's the case, who cares? Um, it's happening to me. It's not happening to you. So get over it. No, I love it. I'm just kidding. Um, but tension only exists because of enmity. Yeah. Oh, that's good. We, golly, Larry. <laughs> We've put the tension there. Yeah. And so, okay, I should have been recording earlier. Doggone it. He's about to preach. Here he goes. <laughs> no. So before I ever hit record, Larry and I were talking a little bit, just saying, man, this is kind of, I was just telling him, this is where my heart is with this. And I just feel like our conversation is going to get drugged down this path. And, it, and it's going to a little, a little bit, but in a better way. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm resting in a tension and I'm, I'm feeling comfortable there. Not, not comfortable. Like I shouldn't be there. Right. I, I, I'm just, I'm chewing on this idea, but man, it's not tension for God. No, it's, it's, it's just God. It's who he is. It's who he is. And the tension is because we've put it there. Yeah. Man, that's good. Does that make you feel, does that make you breathe a little bit better? Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, we're still going to have to talk about these people, right? Yeah. That, um, but I guess that's a reminder for me, and thank you for that. And and if you're, we've been skirting around it, right? So we're talking about this idea of predestined and mm-hmm. God picking something, and it's. I'm going to use my own words now, and okay. I, uh, that idea has been hijacked. Mm-hmm. That's my interpretation of it. I like. Strong's definition. That's their second definition, but I really like it. Um, this word that can be translated predestined or elected, one of the definitions is decreeing from eternity. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Because that's what God has done. Yeah. Look, what what do we know? What has God revealed to us? He has revealed to us that He has chosen us before the foundation of the world. And Agree with Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If he didn't choose me then, he wouldn't choose me now. Right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm completely okay with that. Now, because God doesn't change, nor does he change his mind. Right? His his truth demands two things. It demands obedience and it demands justice. Yeah. We enact neither of those. 
We adjudicate neither right. of those. Only one could. Right. And so God, in his all-knowing, sovereign way, yeah. predestined that we would have salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So... We're going to dive back into that a little bit. And I, because you can't, when you read Ephesians, especially chapter one, you can't not dig into that, this conversation. Yeah. And it's a beautiful conversation. But I'm going to, I'm going to peel myself out of it for a little bit. Okay. What does Paul, so the first, and I got it open so I wouldn't mess up my, my passages, right? So really, verses three through. 14 yeah they're like a uh i I think some people have labeled it as as a a, it's poetic it's a poem it's like paul giving praise to god right you and your poems man no you're right you're right you're right (laughs) but it it really is right it's it's paul praising god yeah and giving thanks and praise for what he has done and it is a great reminder of what has God done. Okay, so Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We're called to make what? Disciples. How do we do that? By going. And? Telling. Or right. Preaching. Going. <laughs> baptizing. Right. Right? So the action of putting order into a disordered life. Now, you know, I serve with a, a, a brother who, if you ask him for his definition of discipleship, he's right, going to rightly, say, rightly ordering the worship of another, yeah. right? And, and you know what? The more that I chew on that thought process, the more I think there's a lot of validity there because this is exactly what Paul is doing right here. Yeah. He is ordering the focus of our worship. Yeah. He's getting our mind into a right place because before we can offer up a a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord, we need to know whom this God is. Right. Yeah. So again, I'm I'm parroting myself, right? Paul is giving us the glasses that I've been talking about. Yeah. And so what do we see in order this is my notes, right? So I didn't, this is, this is me pulling from reading. I, I, I haven't ran this over a commentary, which I probably eventually will make sure I'm on the right path. And then you can kind of course correct me via your notes where I'm jumping off. But this is what I have in chapter one. Paul is praising what we have received. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we see is God the Father. Mm-hmm. So we're we're going to see the Trinity here, mm-hmm. but we see God the Father. And what what did we get from God the Father? My notes I wrote down, we have been given the gift of adoption into his family. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is thanking God and praising God for that adoption. Absolutely. The next thing that I wrote down that I see then is... That, that adoption is through who? It's through Jesus Christ. And we get some gifts from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or some, uh, well, Paul uses the word inheritance. Yeah. But th- these gifts that we get are the inheritance, 
which that to me, when I see that word, right, we got adopted into the family. You can't get the inheritance unless you're in the family, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like your kids aren't going to get whatever my kids could inherit. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. They got to be in the family. That's right. So we've gotten written into the family and then, you know, in modern times were written into the will. That's right. Um, but in order to get that, we have to have been forgiven mm -hmm. and we have to have been redeemed out of the state we were in. Correct. So what all have we been given? We've been redeemed out of our filth. Mm -hmm. We've been forgiven of everything we have done and will do. Mm -hmm. We've been adopted mm -hmm. into the family and then written into his will. Beautifully said. And then the last thing, we haven't seen part three of the Trinity. Yep. We are sealed into the inheritance, written mm -hmm. in ink, not in pencil. Right. Into the into the inheritance by the Holy Spirit. Yep. That I mean, in 15, well, no, not even 15 verses, 12 verses, Paul beautifully praises God mm -hmm. for the gospel. And I just, I love your, what you're, what you called out, like, hey, rightly ordering our worship. And Paul, I think is without saying it, he's saying, hey, believers in Ephesus or believers in North Carolina mm -hmm. or Missouri or Canada, you need to remind yourself and you need to praise God for the gospel. Yes. The gospel is not just for those that are not saved. Yes, it is the thing that will save them, but the gospel is to be talked about amongst believers and rem and we need to be reminding ourselves of it all the time too because it's got it has power for us now just like it did at the moment of our conversion mm -hmm. just like it did when Paul was on the road to Damascus mm -hmm. it continues to have power and it continued to have power in his life and it continues to have power in ours but we've got to praise God for it we've got to remind ourselves of it you know you bring you bring up a good point why so why is it in the church people get frustrated when they'll go you know pastor you done preached that their gospel one over and over and over and over again i don't think anybody else in this church is around to get saved you know can you give us something practical <laughs> i am giving you something practical <laughs> cuz the gospel i think the gospel is twofold i think the first fold is for the realization of my lostness and the need of a savior. But then it is a reminder to me of what that savior did yeah. to redeem me. And you know, I, I can think of ooh, I can I can when I hear the Southern coming out in my I'm, I'm thinking hard or I'm I'm preaching hard. Um I'm thinking of of, of one a church member, a guy that we go to church with, who was radically saved, became a pastor, became an evangelist, has a, a great ministry. And I'm going to tell you what, if you were to ask him, are you still 
is on fire today about how God radically changed your life, are you still as much on fire today as you were the day that it happened? And let me tell you something. If that man was standing in here, and you and I both know what would happen, because we hear him over our headphones every Sunday shouting and praising God, right? He would he would light into a, a dance. He would light a fire because he has not lost the joy of his salvation. And I'm going to tell you something. When, you, when, when the joy of life gets sucked out, when, when loneliness and depression come crashing in, yeah. everything taste bitter it's mara we're going back to ruth again oh no but it is (laughs) yes it it's this bitterness yeah and so go back to verse three look how this is how paul is this is how paul stays on fire excuse me got a Coke Zero on my... Coke Zero One, Jared Zero. (laughs) This is how Paul is staying on fire. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And and so, yes, it's just words on the page, right? But the idea is that what Paul is doing here is lifting up worship. Mm -hmm. He is praising God. So how... So how do we today, how can we stay on fire for what God has done in our lives Mm -hmm. by lifting up praise to God, but for what? Because of the gospel. And Mm -hmm. you can't do that if you're not reminding yourself of of the gospel. So there are, Jared and I have talked about our musical backgrounds, there are songs that we sing that just never get old. I don't think Amazing Grace ever gets old for me. I don't think Come Thou Found or Holy, Holy, Holy or, you know, I even love Blessed Be Your Name. I mean, going something contemporary. But when when I sing my sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. When I can't get upset over that is because I am in sin and I don't want the joy of that. Right. I don't want the goodness of that in my life because what it reminds me of, it reminds me that what I am currently doing is selfish, depraved, and completely void of the presence of God. Yeah. And that's what do I want to do. I want to wallow in my sorrow. Yeah. But praise be to God, the giver of life who has gifted us, what does he say? In Christ, in the spiritual places. Yeah. We're, getting, we're preaching now. Hey, watch <laughs> out. Here it comes. You know, look, what, what do we know? Well, this is what we know. We've said it once. We've said it twice. So we're going to be good public speakers and we're going to say it again. What do we know? We know that God is a God of blessing. So he's omnibenevolent, right? We know that he chose us before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us as adoption to sons 
according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, you really want something to confound yourself. You start reading in Scripture where it says, And it pleased the Father to send the Son to the cross to die for our sins. Mm. But it did. Right. Right. So we have an omnibenevolent God. We have, obviously, an all-knowing God because he's able from the foundation of the world to know exactly what, what's going to happen and how it's going to take place. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful. So we have, you go back before the garden. Mm-hmm. The sovereignty of God, right, is such that God knew and he loved his creation before we were even there. Mm -hmm. So much that he knew we were going to walk away. Yet, still, he loved us so much that he created. And before he ever created and knew that we were going to walk away, he knew that his son would be the one to redeem us. Mm -hmm. That's a, a completely confounding love that we'll, we'll, we'll be grasping, we'll be trying to grasp until we leave this earth. And you know, <laughs> so there are, two, you've heard us talk about this before. And we'll talk about it again. There are two ways of looking at love. There's the Old Testament Hesed, mm. that covenant love of God. Mm-hmm. Who did he make that covenant with? Israel. Who was Israel? His chosen right. people. Right. In the New Testament, we talk about agape love. It's the love that Christ gave by being selfless and going to the cross. What did Christ do on the cross? He married the chosen Israelites to the chosen Gentiles. Yeah. We know we're jumping ahead, but he mentions it here in chapter 1. He goes ahead and lays this out. Yep. The Bible is a book, and I'm quoting Merida here mm-hmm. from his uh, Christ... Uh, we, we haven't actually said what this is called, and it'll be in the show notes, but... Oh, that's cool sounding. Yeah. <laughs> that was not a gong. <laughs> From his book, Christ-Centered Exposition yeah. of Ephesians. And you know, he talks about that the Bible is a story of election, right? We see yeah. it all throughout. God uh, makes a promise with Abraham. Mm-hmm. He... Um, elects Israel. He sets Moses aside for a purpose. Mm-hmm. He pulls the chosen people out of Egypt. He uses Pharaoh. He uses Pharaoh. And so we have this picture of God electing and choosing people for purpose. Mm-hmm. But all throughout Scripture at the same time, why were... Adam and Eve and us made as images of God to declare his glory. Yeah. Right. Why was Israel 
the chosen people and set aside to declare Yahweh as the true God to the rest of the world. Fast forward to now. Why is the church the bride of Jesus Christ? To declare the glory of God. And so that's why I'm just kind of still setting down in this because it's it it's not it should not be confused as this idea of I'm in or I'm out. Right. God has chosen the path of redemption to be through his son. Mm-hmm. And he has chosen those to believe that believe to continue to preach that story so that others might also. And Paul talks about that in chapter one. He does. You know, what is he and what does he tell us that the church of Ephesus, Ephesus has done? Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you did what? You heard the word of truth. You know, when I all right, here we go. Verse 13, <laughs> Ephesians. You jump over to the ch- to the tenth chapter of Romans, <laughs> and, okay, so and Paul says, <laughs> verse fourteen: How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what a preacher? And don't stop. Everybody stops there. Don't stop there. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Sorry, we got to preaching, but we don't apologize. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't, I mean, you can't get away. No, I mean, so if you want to, if you want to settle into debate about this idea of election and predestination a lot of people like to go to romans chapter Mm 9 but it paired together with romans chapter 10 yeah so you have this idea and i think paul is doing what i'm doing at least i'd like to think he is he's settling into this idea that both things are there Mm -hmm. god is working out his will Yet, we are called to have faith, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Mm -hmm. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's, it's important here. He spends chapter 9 talking about the chosen nation of Israel. And when he steps into chapter 10, he says something that Israel already thinks it has. He says Israel needs to be what? Saved. Right. Israel needs the gospel just like the world needs the gospel. 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who is that for? Exactly what you just said. It's for the Jew. It's for the Greek. It's for every single person who has breath. Mm. And it doesn't need to be conflated into many or to all. It needs to be let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Because we all belong to him. It's all his creation. Right. Now, we are not proponents of a universal gospel. We understand that there are those who reject. Not everybody will take hold of this free gift. But the point is this. If you read the Bible as the Old Testament is about Jew and Jew only, and the New Testament is about the church and the church only, you've missed it. You have absolutely missed it. Because in Ruth, what do we see? We see a marriage of Jew and Gentile. What do we see with Rahab and Salmon? Marriage of Jew and Gentile. And time and time and time again, what are we consistently seeing? Poor Hosea has to do what? He has to go back and buy his harlot wife out of being a hooker. Right. And and what is God saying in the book of Hosea? And I'm going to use a very strong language here and just bear with me on this. God is saying to Israel, stop whoring yourself around with every whim that passes by. What message is God giving to the church today? Stop whoring around with every whim that passes by. Right. And those whims are there's so many of them, right? <laughs> Yeah, for Ephesus, I mean, we'll we'll go back to what we talked about, what we see about the church in Revelation. They become religiously strict Mm -hmm. and forget about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Yeah. To the Jews, it's not about the law. Yep. The law was only there to show you that you needed salvation. You know, let's put it in today's context. Hey, church. It's not about jeans or dresses. Oh, right. hey, hey, church, it's not about blackened stages and large praise bands. Right. It's not about smoke. It's not about a pastor in a pulpit screaming at the top of his lungs yeah. and stamping up and down. Yeah. It's it, it's it. It's not about how flashy we are. I mean, look at Jonathan Edwards like the least flashy preacher of all time and yet look what sinners in the hands of an angry god <laughs> look what you know and that was not a short sermon by the way no so if you're upset by your pastor preaching <laughs> over 30 minutes or if somebody's sitting there going well mine preaches almost 45 to 50 if the content's good if he's coming out of the word of god right. sit there and listen yeah. because i need it and you need it yep I'd be okay with a sermon that was only five minutes long if it had Jesus-tinted glasses on it. There you go. Right? I'd also be fine if he went for an hour. So, we've kind of, we've hit the highlights of chapter <laughs> one, right? Except for, we did we haven't, we haven't 15 the, through We haven't hit the prayer, so let's, let's yeah. hit the prayer. So it's a great way, to, great way to kind of wind it down, right? You know, and I think, let's do something a little different. Okay. We have notes because we, we, we kind of plan ahead 
not what we're going to say, but just kind of have a guide. I say let's throw it out. Yeah, it's fine. Let's do this. Let's just go verse by verse. Okay. So Paul starts praying. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So he's setting up the prayer. That's verses 15 and 16. And then in verse 17, he starts the prayer. So let's walk with Paul. How does Paul pray? He prays that that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what's Paul praying right there in verse 17? He is praying that those that have already believed will continue to have the knowledge of who Jesus is, what he's done, what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. It, it goes back to, it's a it's a recounting almost in his prayer mm-hmm. of what we've just talked about. We've got to continually remind ourselves of what this gospel is. Paul's praying, I think, for that in part. So there are catchphrases we say in the church today, right? I just hope God shows up. I just, you know, I hope God's presence is felt today. You know, we, oh, I, I pray the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just hope the Holy Spirit moves today. As if we're not bringing the Spirit into the church with us when we walk in. As if God's not already there. Mm. Now, okay, so there's two sides of the coin. There's frustration on one side. There's what we say on the other side. But both are a reality. And I'll tell you what, I have always been frustrated with the idea of, and Paul says this a lot, be filled with the Spirit. Well, okay, wait a minute. Now, I am told that I am sealed with the Holy Spirit the moment I accept Christ. What in the world are you talking about, Paul, that I need to be filled with the Spirit? Well, right here is what he's getting at, Right? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We get so caught in the weeds sometimes that Jared needs a Larry to refocus where he is. Larry gets so hung up on self and oh woe is me that he needs Jared to say, dude, refocus. It ain't about you. Right. Right? This is why iron sharpens iron. I know we keep coming back to that theme, but you get it now, folks, right? I mean, you're, you're going with us on this journey. So, look, Paul is saying, okay, you are saints. What does that mean? That means you got to keep going. Don't stop, right? Then what does he say? Well, if you're going to get this knowledge from the spirit of wisdom and revelation, then the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling— what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Whose calling is mentioned in verse 18? Jesus. It's not mine. Right. Yeah. Whose inheritance is mentioned in verse 18? Jesus. Right. Not, not mine. This is all about the Savior. Yep. He is praying the Savior into the life of the church. Would it be? That that's how your pastor prays on a Sunday morning. Right. Would it be that's how we all pray for each other every single day? But he keeps going. Go for it right there. What does verse 19 say? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So mm-hmm. I guess I need to go back. We're talking about God the Father. Yeah. And what he's done yes. through yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so not it's not Jesus' calling or Jesus' right. inheritance. It's God the Father's, God the Father's ca- calling and right. his inheritance. It, yeah. Through Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. And and where and where is Jesus seated? Right? right? At the right hand right in the hand heavenly in places. The, right. And who is he above? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So can 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 I make I'm be very careful here because I've not studied on this a lot. But our pastor said something when he was going through Revelation and in Revelation it talks about, you know, thrones, dominions, powers. And so he made a case for the fact that in the process of talking about thrones, dominions, and powers, literally spiritual beings that are alive and active in, in realms that you and I can't see, but God's fully yeah. aware of, right? So could it be here that Paul is is giving a nod to, well, let's use his own words, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth? That one day every knee will bow yeah. and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to whose glory? Right. The glory of God the Father. Well, and so what's cool about the ending of chapter 1, not only in the age but also in the one to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet, Jesus' feet, mm-hmm. and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. We talked about last episode the chiastic structure of this book. Yes. Where do you think we we end this book talking about? <laughs> there it is. Right? The powers and dominions and our need for spiritual armor. Mhm. Right. It's no coincidence. Paul he's mapping it out, right? Mhm. And I also think it's cool. Our church is about to go into vacation Bible school. We're going to be teaching little kids, yeah, all about the armor of God, the armor of God, and why we need it mm-hmm. because of the powers and dominions and the the ages and. But the hope in all of that that Paul gives us right up front is that there's one person, Jesus Christ who's over all of it. Mm-hmm. Everything is under his feet. So yeah, we need spiritual armor, but we've got a really great hope in Jesus Christ being over all of it. Absolutely. I think this calls for a song. I do. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain for me who him to death pursued. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, 
Fast bound in sin, nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. What happened? My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, I went forth, and I followed thee. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amen. Wow. Father, thank you for this book. Mm. Thank you for the truths that are in it, for your son Jesus, who shed his blood for us so that we might, with no merit, receive an inheritance and adoption into your family. We love you. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us to learn and study and dig into your word. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for us and victoriously rose again, that we pray all this. Amen.